Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, let's go right to the phones. And joining us, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? Well, you know, I'm... I've never been more happy to have you on the radio show. Oh, yeah? I'm fighting, a, I, I'm fighting a cold today, and Karen gets so mad at me when I cough and clear my throat on the radio, and my voice is starting to fail. So I'm just going to turn it over to you and let you tell us what's going on. I don't know, Terry. I get pretty nervous. I don't like to talk very much. I tend to talk too slow, and I don't got much to say, so I don't know how we're going to handle this one. All right, we'll see you. Call next week. No. <laughs> I do have one question for I will, you. Uh, I will help you out here. We got so much going on, and, uh, yeah, honestly, we don't have uh, have much time to wait. So, with that being said, there, there's so much stuff happening, Terry. We keep talking about it, but obviously our water levels are, are kind of all over the place. Chatfield right now is is still high. Cherry Creek's open for boating and finally settling down. Uh, our mountain lakes are now open for fishing, so I'll kind of cover all that. Um, as of now, if you are a big game hunter, you now have all the results out. So all the, the very limited stuff, the sheep, the goat, um, those are out. Moose, elk, deer, pronghorn, everything is out. So as of today, um, you now uh, should know 100% what your tags are. If you don't know, uh, check your emails, check your spam folders, or go on to the Colorado Parks and Wildlife website, check your draw results, check your active licenses, check your preference points. Um, so everything is out in those regards. So we are 100% in big game planning. We're fishing. Uh, we have a lot of events going on. We have an amazing event up at Horse Tooth Reservoir right in your neck of the woods today. Uh, Chad Chance is emceeing that cast event that same cast organization is coming to chatfield i'll be emptying that one end of july uh we need voters for that so uh the the sky is uh, is the limit with what to do right now in colorado well you're absolutely right i have one question then i'm going to shut up and let you talk to us for a while i never can shut up i'm just like you <laughs> so we've had these constant storm fronts going through and even when we don't get a front we have, we get these cold outflow winds and pressure drops from those fronts that go out from the fronts. Uh, this We're running into what should be summer peak fishing for the warm water species. Have you seen, have you had to adjust your fishing much because of these fronts and outflows? You know, a little bit, Terry. I think uh, a lot of stuff's happening, so I'll kind of walk you through it. Um, number one, we'll, we'll start at, like, a Cherry Creek. We've spent a ton of time at Cherry Creek. Um, obviously, it was closed for several weeks, weeks with high water. Um, the, the lake has now recited, um, and I would say everything is just a hair behind. We have a lot of cold water um, coming into the bodies of water. So if you go by the calendar year, which I know we always preach not to do, you know, it goes by the season, it goes by, you know, what the fish are doing they don't follow a calendar but you know if you're an angler that really likes to follow the follow the calendar we're a little bit delayed so you know we're probably a week or so behind schedule um so the fish at cherry creek are on structure 
but and we're catching a lot of fish, but I wouldn't say it's like that peak summer where you're just really, you know, lighting them up. So uh, everything is just a little delayed here on the front range, um, but but I think things are good. The biggest thing with Cherry Creek in particular, those fish are extremely well fed this year. So really healthy, big fish. Uh, it's nice to see the quality of the fish, but anytime you have well fed fish, obviously you as an angler are going to have to work just a little harder to catch them. So um, I think Cherry Creek is good, but I encourage anglers, if you go out there and you're not catching fish, you know, mix it up a little bit. We see a lot of fish on structure. A lot of our bigger fish are either shallower or on uh, in the suspended water. So if you're looking for bigger fish, uh, trolling suspended baits and or fishing shallow structure uh, is going to be the key there. Um, and then same type thing, I think uh, our mornings have been most consistent. Afternoon, you know, we're dealing with, with all the weather. So whether it's lightning, thunder, you know, wind, rain, hail, um, it just seems like that's kind of mixing things up. Honestly, to, to be too, totally truthful, the fish are doing pretty well with these storms. There's a lot of years where you get a lot of storms coming through and those fish flat out shut down. Um, this year, it seems like the fish are, are managing it fairly well. Um, they seem to be still biting throughout the activity. But obviously, I think it makes boat control tough. It brings safety of the angler kind of into that concept. So um, overall, I would just tell people, you know, try to find the most calm conditions. You know, if you have a, a nice, steady condition um, of decent weather, that's going to bring on the most stable fishing. Uh, and stable fishing is always the easiest to find those patterns. So that's kind of what we're dealing with the storms, you know, in, in those regards there. Um, Chatfield is staying high. I know I, I keep getting blown up with people asking us, uh, are they going to lower the water? Is it going to retreat? The water is now still above what the full pool is kind of estimated to. So it's basically as full as it um, And with it being full as it can get, um, obviously those, those fish are, are there. They're biting. But I think anglers really need to learn how to fish it. It's almost like a brand-new fishery. Um, we're seeing the walleyes adapting to the water level but not as shallow as you would think. Um, a traditional walleye fishery, and it floods like that, those walleyes pile up into that shallow water. We're catching a lot of walleyes in like 8 to 14 feet of water. We have not seen at least big populations of them move up into 2, 3 feet of water like a lot of times you would anticipate. So, um, again, the walleyes are activating in shallow water, moving into the new flooded areas, um, but they have not gone extremely shallow, kind of like we were anticipating. So that's kind of the concept there. Anytime we deal with kind of new water and big volumes of water, my biggest suggestion is to cover water. I see a lot of anglers that are pulling up and, you know, really taking their time and kind of camping out on a spot and trying multiple techniques. Um, this is one of those times that it is ideal to take a bait that you have confidence in, take a bait that you can cover water with, and I encourage anglers, move around until you find fish. Once you find fish, then slow down. Um, but right now, covering water is probably one of the biggest kind of kind of big changers up there um, that's really going to help you out. So at Chatfield, cover some water till you find fish. Once you find fish, slow down and start beating them up. We're catching them on jigs. We're catching them on slip bars. We're catching them on live bait rigs, cranks, uh, little swim baits, you know, blade baits. So a lot of techniques are working, but cover water till you find fish and then really break those individual fish down and those groups of fish down. Well, that's, we talk about power fishing versus finesse fishing, and people think it's a time of the year kind of thing, but it's really 
what the fish are doing kind of thing. If if the fish aren't in their typical locations and they're spread, you have to sometimes you have to power fish all day and just cover water. Use faster moving lures, reaction baits, crankbaits, things like that, or trolling. And, but once you find the fish, that's when the finesse baits can really come into play. And sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. A hundred percent, Terry. That's exactly up there. So, uh, again, power fish, they find them and then kind of break them down. And then we move up to the mountains. Uh, we're the same way. We're looking really good. So, you know, up in the hills, we target, you know, spinning 11-mile Antero a lot, um, and things are going really well up there. So probably one of the, the fun bites that we're seeing, or probably the most uh, excited bites, I should say, is that spinny. So spinny just opened for boating a little over a week ago, um, and they are still filling that body of water. So typically speaking, once your water temperature starts getting in the high 50s, the weed growth just takes off. So typically, by the first couple days of June, our weed growth is at max capacity. The the pike are in the weeds. The, the, that kind of phenomenal fly bite um, is still going, but the fish are kind of activating more to the weeds. And we just kind of hit a summer pattern, and the peak kind of spring bite kind of slows down a hair. That weed growth is accelerating right now. So right now, as we speak, the weeds are growing, but they're storing water, and the water level is rising. So the water level is increasing at the same rate, if not faster than the weeds, leaving a nice gap of water between the surface and the weeds, kind of extending and bringing on an incredible pike bite and an incredible trout bite. So spinny right now, where it typically would be slowing down a hair, finding moving into the summer pattern, it is absolutely on fire. So uh, we're fly fishing. Or we'll talk trout first. Uh, calm water conditions. We're doing a lot of fly fishing. The second we have chop, even just a little bit of darker surface clarity, um, we're throwing spoons. We're swimming tube jigs, um, and that bite is, is second to none. Our rainbows are like 21, 22 inches to about 26 inches on the average. So giant fish, you know, hard fighting. Uh, it, it's just, it's unbelievable. And then the pike, same thing. We are seeing huge fish. Um, you know, where normally we always say, hey, you know, our big fish are 40, 41 inches. Um, you know, as a as a team tight line, as a as a company wide kind of you know on look after the first week, um, we're seeing as many forty four to forty five inch fish as I've seen in several years. Um, I think overall we've seen four fish at that forty five inch mark. Uh, we've probably seen a dozen fish over forty in the last week. Uh, it is absolutely fishing incredible. We're fishing big giant baits over those weeds, um, and, and the fishing is just awesome. So uh, the, the pike bite there is phenomenal. Um, and Taro and 11-mile are fishing well. So across the board, uh, we're seeing a lot of great fishing. The, the heavy runoff's keeping the water temperatures uh, fairly cool, so we're not really seeing the summer temperatures. Um, and, and everything is fishing really well, Terry. You know, a couple comments on that pike bite. A lot of times people have trouble fishing for those pike when they're buried in the weeds. A lot of anglers have trouble making a presentation. With this water above those weeds, I don't know if you've, if you've used them much, but a, a fairly novice angler can throw a spinner bait with a trailer and just work it across the tops of those weeds and get a lot of reaction bites and still not get hung up, even if it dips down in the weeds a little bit. Are you seeing any of that type of action? 
you know, it, it'll definitely catch you some fish. We're seeing some smaller fish coming on the spinner baits. I would say we're probably two weeks away from that bite going right now. Our pike are kind of still in that post-spawn lazy mode. Um, so right now we're fishing a lot of big stick baits. Whether you're casting a stick bait or trolling it or you're casting a swim bait or trolling it, um, right now they're about a really big slow moving presentation so you know we're running musky stick baits that are eight to ten inches we're running a lot of swim baits in that eight to ten inches um even our jerk baits we're trying to run seven inch baits so right now the pike it's all about a big bait worked as slow as possible um i think that we're probably a week ten days from them kind of being a hundred percent recovered from spawn back into their summer patterns and that's when i think the the spinner bait bites really going to kick off uh, again we're catching a few fish with it i actually we tried it this week, um, but I, but it's not quite to where it's that summer pattern where that spinner bait's really going to excel. So right now, my suggestion is big stick bait, big swim bait, um, almost awkwardly big bait. I mean, we're talking again eight to ten inch bait, um, and that's the key up there. But I, I think we're very close to that spinner bait start. It's just not quite there as we speak at this moment. Now, if you're a an angler who maybe doesn't have all the equipment to fish those big baits or doesn't have those big baits. Could you get by with a, a big floating stick bait like a original Rapala or a, a, husky, a big husky jerk that goes down a little bit? And, and are you putting a leader on? And are you putting a leader on these? Right now, we're not. So, uh, again, an F-18, that's original floating Rapala. It's a balsa wood bait. That bait measures exactly seven inches. Um, that is a dynamite technique. So it's, uh, it's got three trebles on it. It's lightweight. You can cast it with average spinning gear. Um, and that F-18 is a great bait. The Husky Jerk, uh, like an HJ-14, that's going to come in at that six-inch mark. Still going to catch a lot of fish, but that original floater um, is absolutely dynamite. It has minimal movement. Um, again, everybody wants all this crazy action out of it, but right now you want minimal action. So that F-18 is a great choice. We're not running steel leader. We're going straight with our you know, 10, 12-pound mono straight to the base, um, and we've been having really good success. Uh, these pike, again, the, the water clarity is staying really good. We're moving the bait slow, so the fish have a lot of time to look at it. Um, and we've been seeing them shy away from the steel leaders, shy away from the big heavy floral leaders. Um, but right now, the fish have been pretty calm. So when you hook one of those big fish, the true key is a very minimal rod movement. So set the hook one time really hard, keep that rod high, and just reel. If you pump the rod, you jerk the rod, you you have a lot of rod movement, um, those fish are going to really fight harder. They're going to choke up on the bait, and that's when you're going to get those bite-offs. As long as you have fairly minimal rod movement, we've had very good success uh, of landing, you know, 95 98% of the fish without any bite-offs. So it's been going really well. Uh, but a lot of that is due to the anglers and the minimal rod movement. If you really get excited on that rod, that's when you're going to see those bite-offs. Once we step into that spinnerbait season and that, that higher action season, I think we'll be able to get away with the big floral leaders or even the steel leaders. But right now with the, the really slower movement, uh, they have been fairly leader shy. I, I have pretty much gone to just floral leaders for pike. I do a lot of bass fishing in Minnesota where I get bit off a lot. And even a 15 to 20 pound floral leader will maintain pretty good action, although it can bring down that floating nose on that floater a little bit, but they don't seem to shy as bad. I've really eliminated steel leaders. Why don't you tell us what you got coming up, Nate? Well, we got about a minute left. 
Absolutely. So, again, we're just excited about everything. We have a major uh, catch rate event coming up, probably the one I'm most excited about. Um, one of the near and dear friends um, of my career, somebody that I've looked up to, uh, is a gentleman named J.J. Branson. We lost J.J. last year, um, and it really hit the angling community hard. Just uh a diehard angler, good person. Um, I, I just can't say enough good things about him. We lost him last year. Uh, so we kind of have a tribute or a memorial to him at our next catch race. That's going to be June 14th, um, and we're inviting everybody out. We have a big bonus prize brought to us by the Denver Bassmasters, and this is one of these times where we're just inviting everybody possible to come out to catch race. We're going to have a big night uh, just honoring his name, having fun, fishing, doing what he loved and did most. Uh, so we're excited about encouraging everybody. Write down on your calendars, June 14th, catch rate at Chatfield. Uh, it's going to be a big night. Bonus prizes uh, and more than anything, just kind of a, a memorial and remembrance of Mr. J.J. Branson, and we're excited about it. So that that we encourage everybody put down on your calendars. Uh, then coming up at the end of July, we have our cast event. Uh, again, the same event that's going on at Horse Tooth today. We still need about 15 more boaters. Uh, so if everybody, you can kind of check out our Facebook page tonight. I'll get you some information, uh, but we encourage everybody, if you want to do something great in the community, uh, volunteer your time. We need help on shore for everybody that doesn't have a boat. We need boaters if you have a boat. Um, we need, uh, again, just a handful more volunteers at that cast event, so stay tuned uh, to the Tightline Outdoors Facebook page. We'll get you some information, but we'd love to have more people sign up for that uh, to help us out with that event, and then we're going to be starting to talk a lot of hunting now that all those draws are out. So a lot of stuff happening, uh, but again, you can always just check out our Facebook pages, website, uh, and we'll kind of keep you informed on what's going on. All right, my friend, we got to go. We'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. All right, Nate Zelensky, always a great resource. We'll take a quick time out, and the folks from Jack's Outdoor Gear are going to join us. We're going to talk about up in the north here, the Pooter and some of the lakes and Big Thompson and all that coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from the Jack's Outdoor Gear in Fort Collins, the fishing department is Dave Gross. Good morning, Dave. Hi, Terry. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem. You know, we've been talking off and on during the show about water levels and rain and snow melt. And the t- things are changing, as they always do in the spring in Colorado and early summer. And the rivers are running high and... Uh, the lakes are filling, but that doesn't mean we don't have some great fishing opportunities, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, it's nice. All the lakes are getting pretty darn close to full. There's a lot of lakes with running water, which attracts the fish. White bass are all up in the marina at Boyd Lake, and fish are running up horse tooth up by the inlet. So it's a good place for the bank fishermen to go where they can get to the fish from the bank if they don't have a boat because all the fish are up where the water's moving. You know, we talk, um, people talk, ask us all year long about shore fishing opportunities. And this time of the year when that water's coming up, and even in the rivers when it's running high, close to the bank can offer probably some of the best shore fishing of the year, like you just alluded to. Let's start with the rivers, then move on to some ponds and lakes a little more. Uh, what are you seeing on the Pooter and the Big Thompson? Are they running real fast? Is there fishable water? 
the Pooter has come down to it's running just over a thousand CFS, which is still pretty high, but it looks like it peaked at around eighteen hundred CFS. Not a whole lot of snowpack left, so it's going to keep coming down. We're still going to have our big rain events that muddy up the water because there's still sections of the pooter that have not grown back yet, so there's nothing to hold the hold the rainwater from coming down the hill and slow it down from coming into the river. So watch watch the weather, and if it looks like there's going to be big rainstorms, that's going to make it a, a mess of the pooter for a day. But it should keep coming down. I'd say in another couple of weeks it'll be a lot clearer and a lot easier to fish. But there's still fish to be caught right now. Throwing a big dry fly with a heavy, heavy bead-headed, preferably a stone fly right now below it. There's still fish to catch. And just like you said, close to the bank, a lot of those fish are going to be in the slower water behind the rocks or close to the bank. So you don't have to go trying to get out into the, the middle of the river. Now, the Big Thompson is dam controlled, but they can only hold so much water up there. They have to let it through. What are you hearing or seeing there? Uh, it's really cleared up as far as I can tell. I haven't been down there, but from what I've been hearing, water's come down. It's running pretty clear, so it sounds like it's on the upswing right now. And both those both those rivers have great public access, so there's great places to fish both um, both for fly anglers and for unconventional. Um, you know, and this is the time of the year a conventional angler throwing like a marabou jig can actually do quite well. Yeah, jigs are uh, overlooked piece of your tackle really- for fishing in the rivers. Everyone thinks about using MEP spinners and rooster tails, but. Bouncing a jig on the bottom or just swimming the jig works really well. It really does. Now, if you don't want to deal with the current, ponds and lakes are offering some great fishing. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm fighting a cold here. You mentioned so that a lot of the the lakes are are uh, are coming up, and a lot of shore, like the white bass at Boyd and the smallmouth at Horsetooth, are getting pushed close to shore. But a lot of the ponds, too, right now, I know you love to fish the ponds, both with a fly rod and conventional. I would think the bass and the panfish are really getting going in some of the ponds. Yeah, they, they are. Um, the largemouth, they're cruising the shallows, still in spawn mode. They're pretty aggressive. And then all the panfish are very aggressive right now, whether you're using with the kids a worm and a bobber or, or using a fly or you're just using your little jigs or bigger jigs or crankbaits for the bass. But, yeah, they're all fishing well. And, you know, this is the time of the year if you want to get started fly fishing. Ponds and lakes are a great place to start because you don't have to fight the current. So if I'm looking to get started fly fishing, are you guys pretty equipped for fly anglers to get their gear right now? Yeah, we've got a good selection of flies, whether it be for warm water or cold water. We've got a lot of nice combos if someone's thinking about getting into fly fishing. Our Arvis Encounter at $199. That's the rod, the reel, the fly line, a case. It has a five-year unconditional warranty through Arvis. Um, So really good outfit to get you started. And you mentioned your fly selection. People haven't been into a Jack's Outdoor Gear. You guys really do carry a lot of flies. We do, yes. Anywhere from a dollar nineteen to your big fancy streamers that are eight dollars a piece. 
But you have, how, you have any idea how many flies you have in the store? Uh, at our store, we have about 35,000 individual flies. Wow. <clears throat> and you're, you're just great selection and knowledgeable people to help you pick out the right fly. <clears throat> the last thing I want to talk about, you started something at Jack's uh, called the Bargain of the Week, and it starts, I think it goes from Wednesday to Wednesday. Now, last week it was a an ugly stick Shakespeare fishing combination. But I think right. this this week it has something to do with camping. Yeah, so they've actually changed that. It's running Sunday to Saturday. Okay. So today is the last day of the Fluger President Reel, which is regular sixty nine ninety five and it's on sale for thirty nine ninety five. So it's an awesome reel and a really good price. And actually the little guy, the size twenty is regular fifty nine ninety five, so it's twenty nine ninety five, and then tomorrow um, we have a chair that's going on sale in the camping department. It's called the King Kong chair, so a heavy duty chair, not those ones that you sag into. Or if you're a big guy like me, it's nice and sturdy, lasts forever. They're regular ninety nine dollars, but if you buy two of them, you get the second one for half off, so you get. Two of them for $150. Wow. <clears throat> that's a great price. And I want to get back to that President's Reel. You said that's on sale yet today. Folks, yeah, I, have a few, I, I have a slew of those reels, and I love them. For the price, they're well, they have a number of bearings, they're smooth. They're not something that an inexpensive combo that you'll wear out in a year. These are reels that you'll get years and years of use out of. So if you've got a Jacks near you, go check out that President's Reel. Dave, I got to let you go. We're running out of time, but sounds like you got a lot going on. All right. Yep. Thank you. Good fishing. You bet. Thank Dave Gross right. from the Fort Collins uh, Jack's uh, Outdoor Gear. We're going to take a time out. Chad Lachance will join us this this week's edition of Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones and joining us as he does every week, our longest running uh, person who's been a co-host and a contributor to this show, Mr. Chad Lachance. Good morning, Chad. Hey, good morning, Terry, from a very, very soggy horse tooth reservoir. Well, I'll tell you what, it may be foggy, but you're in the middle of of one of and one of a few of these events, the Cast for Kids that I think are some of the most special, incredible events that people can take part in. Yeah, absolutely. This is about my, we're trying to do the math, 18th or 20th year of, of doing this bench. And, and CAS stands for Catch a Special Thrill, and it's for uh, developmentally disabled kids from uh, around 6 or 7 years old up to about 21 or 22 years old. And it's basically a bunch of volunteers with boats from the various fishing clubs around the around the state, from Centennial Bass Club and Denver Bassmasters and Pikes Peak Bassmaster guys are up here. And uh, they just volunteer their boats and time and take these kids out and, and get them experience a little bit of time on the water and catch, and, catch some fish. And uh, it's all free for them. All the tackle, everything's provided. All the kids just got to show up and go fish. And then there's a big barbecue afterwards. It's sort of a makeshift competition, but nobody really keeping track of any of that. It's more about, uh, you know, getting the kids excited. And there's, uh, I think, somewhere around 50 or 60 kids here today that showed up, and it's been raining the entire time, and I haven't heard one complaint yet. 
Well, I tell you what, you know that I'm evangelistic about getting youth into the outdoors. And I've taken part in a number of these events. In fact, um, I, I have a story. I won't tell it again today. I've told it many times on the air where I took a, a 16-year-old uh, youth out in a wheelchair. And the, when his face lit up and the joy it brought him and the bond that we formed that lasted for years, uh, you just know these are times that you create memories both for them and yourself that you can't replace. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what it's all about. You know, I've, I've had a couple of kids in the boat over the years that just they, they may not even be 100% cognizant of what all is going on, but the the sheer joy on their face is unbelievable. And there's everything from Down syndrome to all sorts of other stuff here, just depending on, on what level of, of development disability your kid has is, dictates what goes on. In some cases, you've got to hook fish and then hand them off. Some of the kids can actually fish, and you just got to coach them a little bit. And the other thing to keep in mind, Terry, is the parents, typically there's either a guardian or a parent that will ride in the boat as well just to make sure everything goes okay. And they get to learn from the guys in the boat and then can take their kids, uh, you know, at, in the future. So there's that situation that goes on as well. And, uh, and all the parents are, are at least as grateful as the kids are. And then, like I said, everybody will get together in the pavilion here in South Bay and about, well, pretty much right after I get off the radio show and have a big barbecue. And it, uh, it's a great event. And I want to point out there's one going on in Chatfield. I want to say it's July 29th off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, this year right. will be the first time they've done one down there. And so if, if you're a Denver-based angler and you want to get involved, castforkids.org is the place to check it out. Yeah, I know they still need about 10 or 15 boaters. And I don't know how they're, if they're full with kids or not, but if you missed this event, go to castforkids.org and check out the Chatfield event and, and get, get involved, folks. It's, it's going to be as rewarding for you as it is for the kids. Chad, let's yeah, talk and, and fishing. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was going to say one more thing. If you do volunteer, they have everything to val they valet you when you get them. So you put the kids in your boat, you get in your boat, they have a valet launcher that will launch you for you and go get your truck. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a well-run, it's a national organization. They do them all over the country and, uh, it's a very well-organized and run event. So as for the fishing, Terry, um, go fishing. It's the first week of June. It's free fishing weekend and fishing is really good. I mean, just all there is to it. Even in the rain today, uh, one of the boats I talked to, it's been raining all day. They're in a pontoon boat and they still had 24 fish caught in three hours with, with kids. So the fishing's pretty good. Uh, for me, these days, June's for jigging. I've said that for years. The finesse jig's the deal. You give me an eight-ounce jig with either a gold minnow, a tube jig, a net rig, or a small swim shad, like a little power swimmer or something, and I'm a happy camper. I can catch fish anywhere in the state doing that. Uh, a couple of keys, light line for sure, six or eight pound if you're going to use fluorocarbon or monofilament, maybe up to 10 if you're going to use braid. Uh, medium light powered rods on the long end of the spectrum, 610 to 76, and ardent line watching. Lots and lots and lots of line watching, and you'll catch all kinds of fish. You know, I think, you know, you're typically, you and I, or at least I do, I use a, a super line and then I put a fluorocarbon leader on it. And a lot of people, even with their super line, they'll go to a harder to see line. And especially for beginning anglers or not as experienced anglers, a bright super line, you're still going to have that fluorocarbon leader. But what you said, watching that line can be so difficult. Having a bright line can really improve your fishing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm a fishing guide, as you know, and uh, and guiding this uh, this last week, we caught something like 250 fish. 
and I've got rods rigged, one of them with bright yellow and uh, in, in the Berkeley X9, and then I've got another one with Ultra 8, which is white. And uh, exactly like you're saying, and we're putting fluorocarbon leaders about three feet long on the end of them of 8 pounds, trying 100% fluorocarbon, and we're doing 8-ounce jigs. And for me, it's been all about the two-and-a-half-inch tube jig for the last week. But I also know from talking to guys today, they're catching them on Ned Rigs and Gulp Minnows and all kinds of stuff. I gave a, a quick pre-meeting thing for this uh, for the cast event to let everybody know how to catch them here. And the guys that are doing what I said are nuking fish. So that, uh, like I said, that one pontoon boat had 24 catches in like two hours uh, with kids fishing, you know. So uh, people are catching fish. Oh, you know, and you talk about um, finesse fishing. I want to go through some of the presentations we talk about. You talked about a Ned rig, a gulp minnow, and a tube. And those are all, at one time or another, were extremely popular. Their popularity goes up and down. The gulp minnow versus the Ned rig, what's the difference? Nothing. <laughs> the gulp minnow is sharper uh, at one end. And I've said that forever. People ask me, oh, you fish Ned rigs? No, I've been fishing gulp minnows since way before Ned invented the Ned rig. So um, at the end of the day, for me, they're the same. What, what makes a Ned rig a Ned rig to me, first of all, in talking with Ned Kale, the guy that invented the Ned rig, First of all, it should have no appendages. So as soon as it has appendages, it's not a Ned rig. If you put a flapper tail on it, it's not a Ned rig. It should be a straight-bodied, short, thick, fat thing, and it should stay basically pinned to the bottom. That's how Ned designed that to work. The tube jig, uh, when I'm fishing that thing, I'm doing more of a lift and drop and taking advantage of the spiraling aspect of a tube. So when you put a jig head inside of a tube and then you let that thing fall, it will spiral, and that slows the fall rate a little bit. It doesn't just nosedive for the bottom like a Ned rig does. And so that extra little uh, buoyancy, it's not really buoyancy, but that slower fall rate is for sure catching more fish for me right now. Um, and then the other one, the old school one, we don't talk about it much anymore, but I think the first time we ever filmed with you, it was the only thing we got fish on. And that's a little power grub, a little three inch power grub on a jig head. Hard to beat that thing or the, the you know, the classic Mr. Twister that people are familiar with hard to beat one of those as well. Um, but at the end of the day, it really comes down to the fundamentals of the finesse bite, meaning don't hold on to the rod too hard. Keep eye on the line, control your slack. You want a little bit of a bow, but not pure slack but if it's pure tight the bait's coming right to you so it's kind of a controlled slack deal and in bite detection and all day long on my guide trips i have to tell people their bit they don't notice it because they're not paying close enough attention to what the line's doing and the thing about any of these if it's got a lead head it's going to go to the bottom so if it doesn't go to the bottom if it moves sideways if it stops sinking if it speeds up sinking if the line does anything different than other than then sink at its normal rate, then I'm going right to a hook set. That's all there's to it because that jig head does not think on its own. And depending on the species of fish, you'll get all different kinds of bites. And when you're finesse jigging, all kinds of fish will bite. So, yes, we've been targeting bass, but we've been catching green sunfish. We've caught walleye. We've caught wipers. We've caught trout. And each of them have a little bit different bite characteristic and their effect on the, on what the line does when they bite. But at the end of the day, if you're watching the line, you're observant, you'll get a lot of fish caught. If you don't watch that line, you only catch the ones you feel, I guarantee you a guy that's a good line watcher is going to fish circles around you. Well, without a question, you there's so many because you're going to have a little slack as that falls. You, even good super line will barely transmit if transmit at all. And, I, and you and I, I think, if we could only have one lure, to travel the country and fish, it would be a jig head, and we'd put uh, different things on it. I go back to the 
70s and 80s, we were putting straight tail worms. We were molding our own jig heads and putting straight tail four-inch worms on them. And that's probably, you know, that became the shaky head and that became the shorten the worm, became a Ned rig. A lot of these techniques aren't new. They're just people are learning about them. The other thing that happens, and you and I have talked about this, I think the resurgence of the tube, and you and I both agree that tubes, we used to fish tubes a lot, and they and the Ned rig came on, and a lot of people went away from them, and people fish, you know, get conditioned to lures. Well, there's been a lot less people throwing that tube in the last two, three years, and I think that just resurrects that lure. Absolutely, 100%. You know, you and I, like I said, we did talk about that. Uh, for me, the tube jig never went out of style. It's, it's a standard for me. That spiral drop is, is borderline magical. You know, when you, when you rig a tube correctly and, and give it, you know, three quarters amount of slack line and let it go down and the way it hunts side to side and spirals is just very, very good. And I've caught everything from, from bonefish to catfish on a tube jig. So, but I agree. They come and go as they please. Uh, or they come and go as they trend, I should say. And then the other thing is uh, your comment about if I had one lure without question, it would be a finesse jig. There's, It's not even in the ballpark of anything else. It would be a finesse jig, and I could catch everything from, from big saltwater fish all the way down to panfish. I, I agree 100%. The last question, if anglers do want to fight the rain a little bit and get out to horse tooth in the next few days, give them a couple tips on what they should do. Well, first of all, listen to what we just said about finesse jigging. And then second of all, fish with an open mind. The, the spawn is basically winding up hard or has wound up at this point here. And so we're going to that post-spawn phase. A lot of fish on secondary banks, meaning not the main lake, but not the back of the coves, but somewhere in between. Uh, I would look at stuff that's less steep. Uh, flatter banks are doing a little bit better. And if you fish high in the water column, you've got a good shot at catching trout and wipers. And if you fish tight to the bottom, you got a good shot at catching smallmouth and walleye. So it's a good time to be on the lake. The water, I will, one, one quick warning, the water is rising very quickly. So if you're coming here to camp and you park your boat overnight on the bank, park it relatively, uh, you know, relatively up on the bank. So when the water comes up overnight and then for two, there's a lot of floating debris in the middle of the lake, logs, trees, big stuff, stuff that'll tear your boat up. So uh, pay attention to that when you're running around the lake, especially if you get rain in the low visibility conditions. All right, my friend, we're out of time. If people want more information, where do they find you? Uh, fishfulthinker.com and we'd really really appreciate if they check out our YouTube channel at Fishful Thinker. We just exceeded 2 million views and 610 videos. We would love to have folks check that out and subscribe while we're there. Alright, we will talk soon. Alright, thanks very much Terry. And thank you for donating your time to the cast event. Uh, always a special thing and Bill Wilson told me to tell you thank you for, uh, for your time on the radio and helping him get the extra boaters. They ended up with just enough boaters and worked out great. All right. Thank you, Chad. All right. We're going to take a time out, folks. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. And I made it through the show. I I apologize to people. I've got a a bad cold I'm just recovering from, and I know it, it gets a little annoying, but thank you for sticking with us. Um, a couple things I want to touch on. One is it's free fishing weekend. If you've got that rod and reel sitting in the garage, if you've got some hooks and a bobber, go out to the closest park pond near you, 
put about two feet of line below that bobber, put a piece of worm on it, cast it out, and let your kids catch a few fish. You will. They'll just hit it. It's all you need. If it doesn't get hit right away, reel it in. In fact, go to my Facebook page, and I've got a video, if you scroll down, tells you exactly how to do that. Just you'll, you'll catch fish. The kids will have a great time. The other thing, while you're on the Facebook page, take a look at the um, tick uh, post I did for the um, the ticks.org, coloradoticks.org. Click on that. Ticks can cause, tick bites can cause so many just terrible health health problems. It can go for years. I've got many friends who their lives have been turned upside down by tick bites. They've got some movies that are traveling around they want to show. They've got a lot of information. It's just avoid, learn how you can avoid tick bites, learn how to protect yourself and what to do if you get one because one of the ladies from the Tick-Borne Association, Monica White, she's going to be in the hospital 10 days getting her immune system rebuilt from a tick bite that she had years and years ago. So go check that out. They've got a movie that's showing. Go watch that and just check that out. Lightning. Number one Lightning is one of the number one causes of death in the outdoors. Fishing is one of the number one activities that people get hit in lightning. Boating is in the top five. Uh, And if you start hiking and you get above the tree line, Colorado has lightning issues. So really pay attention to the lightning, okay? Follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. You'll find information on all these topics, and I'll post podcasts of what we covered on the show today. Right now is Mr. Dan Jacobs in the studio. I am, and I was going to tell you real quick, because I heard you talking about that earlier in the show. Um, There was a famous quarterback. Well, he wasn't that famous, but he was a starting quarterback for Florida State University. His name was Wyatt Sexton. He had to miss the entire season due to Lyme disease. And I couldn't confirm. I couldn't confirm if it was from a tick bite, but I think it was. It almost always is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he went crazy. He he had, like, a, a, it was temporary, but, like, a fit of insanity. Um, he got arrested, and they tr- they couldn't figure out what was wrong with him, and it was Lyme disease, and I believe it was from t- a oh, tick bite. It gets it gets undiagnosed tick tick pathogens do because doctors don't look for them. You really got to bring it to their attention if you were bit by a tick because there's so many pathogens, <clears throat> and the diagnosis process is really bad. Okay, before we run out of time. Well, I want to keep you talking as much as possible, Terry, because, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're know. having a little fun with you. Yeah. Yeah, you heard that I'm losing my voice. Well, I'm going to ask you a question. We saw the first game, and Miami didn't have the size to handle the size and muscle of the Nuggets down low. And because they're jump shooters, they couldn't even get to the foul line. Do they have to inject more size into their lineup, or do they just need to shoot better? Well, we're going to get into this later because your producer, Dante Gomez, says the Nuggets didn't even look that good and the, the Heat, they just got to shoot a little better and they, they can win game two. I don't know. What you, what, what, who you got producing your show nowadays, Terry? Same guy that produces yours. Well, Karen <laughs> produces my show. Oh, okay. Dante's, Dante's our board and our engineer, and he's a huge part of it. Without Dante, this doesn't run. Well, do you, but, have, do you have any background but, checks on these guys? What's going on? Well, he was doing your show, so I figured he was okay. Uh, oh. That should have been a warning sign right away. Touche, touche. All oh, right, yeah, no, let me no, close it out. Uh, I'm excited you for can... game two. All right, let me let me close it out, and you can talk. All right, 
You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Thank you to Dante. We do appreciate you. Thanks to Karen, and thanks for everybody for putting up with my call. Join us next week from 9 to 11 on 104.3 The Fan, and we'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and Dan Jacobs in sports.